all I need for Christmas. If you had to make a list of needs versus wants, how different would they look for Christmas? If you could draw on one side, this is what I want for Christmas. This is what I need for Christmas. Would they look similar? Would one list outweigh the other? What are the things that we need at Christmas time? What are the things we need to be Christ followers? I know this, that those lists would probably be different. There might be a few things that overlap. But my goal through this series that we're walking through beginning today is this, that as we walk through this Christmas season, we'll find ourselves in relationships with people and family. And so as we encounter people, we realize that we need to walk into relationship with them. And probably one of the primary needs that we have is that we need to have good relationships with people. And probably one of the primary things that keeps us from having relationships that are honoring to God, and the thing that we need the most is we need to forgive one another. What would happen if you walked into this Christmas season and those relationships that come to mind right now that you might encounter might be in the workplace because you gather for Christmas gathering. It might be at home when you have family over. It might be a neighborhood gathering. It might be a client. It might be someone who said something about you that you're going to see them. What would happen if we truly took the need to forgive and played it out in our life? What would happen to relationship? What would happen to us if we truly learned to forgive? So maybe all we need for Christmas is we need to forgive. What happens when you see it done well? Is it possible to forgive everyone? Is it possible to forgive people for everything they've ever done to us? Is it possible? Should we? What does it look like when it's done well? Take a look at this. We end tonight with one of the most potent powers on earth. It can change lives in an instant. Everyone has it. It's the power to forgive. Watch it now in action in Steve Hartman's Assignment America. Thank you, Lord. In a small apartment building in North Minneapolis, a 59-year-old teacher's aide sings praise to God for no seemingly apparent reason. Indeed, if anyone was to have issues with the Lord, it would be Mary Johnson. For all you've done for me. He never had a chance. In February 1993, Mary's son, Loramian Bird, was shot to death during an argument at a party. He was 20 and Mary's only child. My son was gone. The killer was a 16-year-old kid named O'Shea Israel. I wanted justice. He was an animal. He deserved to be caged. And he was. Tried as an adult and sentenced to 25 and a half years, O'Shea served 17 before being recently released. He now lives back in the old neighborhood, close to Mary. This close. He lives next door. Next door. How a convicted murderer ended up living a door jam away from his victim's mother is a story not of horrible misfortune, as you might expect, but of remarkable mercy. A few years ago, Mary asked if she could meet O'Shea here at Minnesota's Stillwater State Prison. As a devout Christian, she felt compelled to see if there was some way, if somehow, she could forgive her son's killer. What'd she say to you? I believe the first thing she said was, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, let's just start with right now. And I was befuddled myself. O'Shea says they met regularly after that. When he got out, she introduced him to her landlord, who, with Mary's blessing, invited O'Shea to move into the building. Today, they don't just live close, 
They are close. Clearly, Mary was able to forgive. Unforgiveness is like cancer. It will eat you from the inside out. It's not about that other person. Me forgiving him does not diminish what he's done. Yes, he murdered my son, but the forgiveness is for me. It's for me. For O'Shea, it hasn't been that easy. I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. I'm learning how to forgive myself, and I'm still growing towards, you know, trying to forgive myself and what it is I've done. To that end, O'Shea is now busy proving himself to himself. He works at a recycling plant by day and goes to college by night. He says he's determined to pay back Mary's clemency by contributing to society. In fact, he's already working on it, singing the praises of God and forgiveness at prisons, churches, to large audiences everywhere. Forgiveness is a powerful thing. Yes, I'm grateful. Which explains why Mary can sing yes, her praise of thanks to her audience so of one. Steve Hartman, yes, CBS News, Minneapolis. For all you've done for me. How do you get there? How does a person arrive to that level of forgiveness? How can a mom go to the murder of her son and say, I forgive you, and not only forgive him, but have him move next door and be a part of his life? Is it possible for you and me to forgive that way? Is it possible for us to look at people who have wronged us, who have sinned against us? Is it possible for that? Or is that just like a one in a zillion chance? Is that like it happens one every 10 or 15 or 20 years? Is it possible for you and I to walk in the days ahead and to see people who have wronged us and to forgive what they've done to us? Does God require that of us? Does God require us to forgive everybody? Are there things that have been done to us that God says, no, you don't have to forgive that. No, you don't have to forgive that. No, you don't have to forgive that. What does it look like when we don't forgive others? What happens when we begin to hold that against them? What happens when, when those things begin to surface in our life that remind us of what they did and we realize we haven't set them free, we haven't forgiven them? Why should I forgive? How many times should I forgive? How will it affect my relationship with others? What about this anger and bitterness that keeps creeping up? Am I just enabling them by forgiving them? What do I do with all those emotions that come to mind? What do I do right now, Pastor Jim, with that person that comes to mind and did that to me? What do I do with that just came to mind, that employer who said he would do that, but he, he didn't. He, he was more interested in himself than he was me. What do I do with that coach that promised this to me? What do I do with that anger? What do I do with that bitterness? Is it possible for me to walk out of this room and to release myself from those feelings and those emotions that sometimes get stirred up because I walk in? What do I do with that husband that ran away with some other woman? Is it possible for me to forgive them? 
What I do with verses that say this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. What I do with verses, if you, God, kept records on wrongdoings, who would stand a chance as it turns out forgiveness is your habit and that's why you're worship? Am I supposed to model that too? Forgiveness has been around since day one. All of us encounter people. We've been on the giving end wrong. We've been on the receiving end wrong. Jesus had some strong information, some strong teaching on the lack of forgiveness. And my hope today is this, that when you leave this place, you leave the link, and when you hear this out across the world on the internet, that if you're sitting there, if you're listening, that you ask this question, am I harboring bitterness? Am I harboring unforgiveness in my life? Am I that person that Jesus is talking about here? Grab your Bibles, and we're going to take a look today at this person. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. If you need a Bible, Hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But turn to Matthew chapter 18. Let's take a look at this parable that Jesus gives in regard to being unforgiving, the unmerciful servant. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to read verses 21 to 35. When you find it, stand up. We're going to read it out loud together. Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. Let's read this passage together. Matthew 18, 21 to 35. Read with me. Ready? Read. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You may have a seat. Jesus tells us here that we need to forgive. I need to forgive. You need to forgive because Jesus said so. Jesus tells us to forgive. Somebody had done something wrong to Peter. So Peter surfaces the question. Jesus, this dude did it again. 
How many times should I forgive him? He keeps coming back with that same thing. He keeps doing that same thing to me. So an honest question, he went to Jesus. Jesus, how many times should I forgive him? And so Pete says, hey, how about seven times? That sounded pretty extravagant. That could be an extravagant gift or an act of mercy. Imagine someone coming after you, doing the, six, the same thing to you one time. Forgive them. Two times, forgive them. Three times, forgive them. Four times, forgive them. Five, six, seven. That seems pretty extravagant. Peter thought that was like seven times? Like, that was a lot. And so he asked him, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Peter wanted to know how much junk he had to take off somebody. He wanted to know how many times he should turn his cheek until he got to the end and just gave it to him and, and let him let someone else have it. Maybe grab one of his just saved friends and say, take care of this. He wanted to know how many times do I continue to forgive before I cream him? So Peter wanted to know, what is the number, Jesus? How many times should I forgive someone? Just stop right now and ask yourself this question. Just ask the Spirit to bring to mind. Who's that person that comes to mind that's wronged you? Maybe it's a former employer. Maybe, maybe it's a mother or a father. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a husband, wife. Maybe it's a mom or dad. Maybe it's this, this, this friend or this uncle, this babysitter. Who's that person that's done? Can you say today that, that I've, I've forgiven them? Or is there still lingering unforgiveness in your life? So Peter is asking, this person that keeps coming to mind, what am I supposed to do with this person? How many times do I say, I forgive you, do I just let them have it? Peter thought seven times was a lot. In fact, it is a lot. And Jesus said, not seven times. Look, look again, look at chapter 18. Look what he says. But 70 Seven times. In other words, 409 times. In other words, Jesus said, forgiveness should be unlimited. What, wait a minute, God. You're telling me that this person who keeps doing that to me, this person who keeps doing that to my child, this person who keeps saying that, this employer who keeps ripping off his employees, this person, this person, you're telling me that I'm supposed to forgive them with an unlimited source of forgiveness. The answer to that is yes. Now, I'm going to show you today that there's a difference between forgiveness and consequences for sin. But Jesus said 77 times. But that seems extreme, doesn't it? And maybe your response has been this. Well, wait a minute, Pastor Jim. You don't know my story. Wait a minute, Pastor Jim. This is what happened to me. It was worse than worse. Maybe you, you, you want to say, no one knows my story. I can't forgive them. You know, I don't know your story. There's some stories I do know. And it breaks my heart to know what's happened to you. But as your pastor and your shepherd, here's what I do know. Jesus said there's unlimited source of, un, or of forgiveness that we're supposed to offer to everyone. But here's the problem, though. You ask this. How can I, how can I do that? How can I just... Forgive that person. It feels like I'm letting them off the hook. In fact, sometimes forgiveness seems like we're letting our offender off the hook. When in reality, we are the ones who become hook-free and able to soar again. So when you see that person, it's like, if I forgive them of that wrongdoing, I feel like 
I just said, I'm letting you off the hook. But in reality, the truth be known, when we forgive, we let ourselves off the hook. Let me try to explain it to you in a, a second here. Just picture a wrong that's been done to you with hooks. When someone does something wrong to you, they hook you. There's a flesh wound. There's an emotional wound. There's, there's this part of your life that there's a reminder that this person did this to you. And so you and I have these hooks, these wrongs that have been done to us. And so we walk through life and we can choose to let them cling to us or we can let ourselves off the hook by forgiving those people. See, here's the problem. If we don't deal with these hooks, if we don't deal with these wrongs that have been done to us, and we let them linger, and we let them hang on to us, if we let them do what they're good at, they will soon turn into this, this boil. They begin to fester. They'll get infected. And then you'll have this gangrene set in because you refuse to remove the wound, you for, uh, the, the hook from the wound. And if you don't remove it, it'll fester. And every time you're bumped, and every time you see that person, you'll be reminded. And Jesus says, forgive. You're not letting them off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook. So what do we do instead of forgiving? We take jabs at people. It's like, no, no, no. Jesus, give me like, give me like, just give me six weeks and then I'll, I'll forgive them. And so, you know, we do, we take jabs and we do it on the social media. We do it in person. We do it, we gossip about them when no one's around. And, 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 and we'll, we'll lob a comment and a conversation on Facebook and then we'll run away from it. We, we, we throw these jabs at people and, and, the, and then, and then we, we take jabs about how they run businesses and, and we pick out all the faults about them and, then, and, and we begin to gossip about them. And, and so instead of forgiving, we look for ways to get back at them. And then we covered under the auspice so of there's nothing, there's nothing's hurting me. But if you were to open up your wound package, you could see these hooks are still there. And because they're there, you are getting bitter and angry and gangrene is setting in because you refused to release that person and to allow healing to take place. Now listen to me. I know there will be a scar. I have scars all over me. You do too. I've taken jabs from people I don't even know. And I've walked through life and I've had wrongs done to me, but I can either let them go or I can walk around with a hook and a festering boil in my life and I can remain bitter. And Jesus said, forgiveness is supposed to be unlimited. So Jesus tells this story. Peter asks, what should we do? He gives this story. Look at this story. Look what he says again in verse, in verse 22. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the what? Help me out there. Verse 26. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him and he said, be what with me? He begged and he said, I will pay back everything. So Jesus gives this story. This, this man has this debt. By the way, the debt would be modern day, $25 million. Now, 
that's a debt. Jesus says, you owe me, he owes him $25 million. It would have been impossible for this dude to pay back $25 million if he's $25 million. So he gets on his knees and he begs as a servant. He said, please, have, have compassion on me, have pity on me. I beg you, please, 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 I'll pay it back, I'll pay it back. And so he goes before his king, his master, and he asks him, be patient with me. I'll pay back everything. The Bible says that the king was moved with compassion. Look at verse 27. He says, the servant's master took pity on him, had compassion on him, and canceled the debt and let him what? Now think about this for a second. Every one of us has to ask for forgiveness from time to time, so don't lose sight of that. Jesus is showing us that we have been there and we will be again. So, it is possible. Here's how we're wired as human beings. It is possible for someone to be given that much mercy, that much compassion. It is possible for someone to walk into someone's presence and cancel a debt of 25 million that, that... is so huge that it seems out of this world that that person could walk away, it could impact his wallet and not his heart. It is possible for us to be so callous that when someone does an incredible good deed of forgiveness for us, that we could walk away and it did nothing to our soul and nothing to our spirit and nothing to our heart, as is you're going to see in this case. This man's debt was canceled and he walked away and he was more concerned about his wallet than he was his heart. The servant asked, he said, be patient. That's a natural response for us because we want people to be patient with us. But we also want justice. I mean, think about what's been wrong, what's been done to you. It's like, we, we, it's like God, this has been done to me. This person did this. And, and right now I'm reminded of that. And it's like, I want justice right now. God, do something now. If you're not going to do something, then I'm going to do something. And so we, instead of allowing this person to be forgiven of it, what we do, we hold on to it. And as this hook gets deeper in us, it hurts more. And we're reminded of what they did. And it becomes a festering sore. And the closer we get to that person, that hook goes deeper. And we want justice. And yet Jesus says, no, I, I want you to forgive in an unlimited way. You see, we hurt people too. And we soon lose sight of that. Why should we forgive? Because we've been forgiven much. This man was just had a debt canceled of $25 million. That should have changed the direction of his life and how he handled people and how he wronged, yet it didn't. He had been forgiven, but he didn't forgive. And often, we're the same way. Andy Stanley said this, and I read this quote this week in And he said this, listen to this quote regarding forgiveness. He said, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. Think about that for a second. In the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift from one undeserving soul to another. But doesn't forgiveness sometimes feel like we're letting our offender off the hook? 
when in reality, we are the ones who become hook-free and able to soar again. Isn't that how it is? I mean, just think about it. We feel like we're letting them off the hook. Pastor Jim, I'm not letting them off the hook. Let someone else do it. I'm not. I'm not ready to. I just wait till I get ready to let them off the hook. You see, we feel like if we forgive someone, we're letting them off the hook, when in reality, we are the ones who become hook-free. Like we saw in that video, when the woman said, forgiveness is for me. And when we forgive, it sets us hook-free. It allows that, 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 that pain, it allows that, that, that wound, it allows it to heal. And yes, there's reminders, and from time to time, we, we, will, we will be reminded of it because we'll bump into that scar, but, but it allows us to see healing take place in our lives. You see, the cross reminds us of what we have been forgiven of, and that reminder should encourage us to do the same for others and some undeserving soul. Think about this hypothetically. What if Jesus just held out on just one of the gazillion sins that you and I have committed on planet Earth? What, what if he didn't have unlimited forgiveness? What if he just said, you know what? I'll forgive you for everything except for that one thing. What if Jesus' forgiveness was so extreme? It, was, it, was, it seemed unlimited, but there was just like one thing. And it, it doesn't have to be a huge thing in your mind. What if Jesus just held out on one wrong, one sin in your life? We know the answer to that question. We would be headed to the pit of hell. Jesus said forgiveness should be unlimited. Some of you... And some of us have been, have, have been given unbelievable second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, 490 time chances. Some of us have been sidelined by, by sin, yet now you, we sit here today a recipient of grace and forgiveness. Some of you have wronged others in horrible ways, yet now forgiveness has set you free. And Jesus is reminding us here, we should be the most merciful people alive. Think about the cross for a second. If you just need a reminder why you need to forgive that person, just go back to the cross and say, Jesus died for all of my sins. You see, we can't choose what we will or will not forgive. The command is clear. Forgive. Remember, forgiveness is for you. It lets you off the hook. Yet, watch what happens to this man after he gets this unbelievable forgiveness. Look at verse 28. He walks away. The, the, the master cancels the debt of 25 million. And then in verse 28, it says this. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. Modern day, 10 bucks. 25 million, he got canceled. This dude owes him 10 bucks. He grabbed him and began to what him? Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The same words that he said to his master prior to that. Look at his response in verse 30. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were what? And went and told their master everything that had happened. Yet the opposite happens here. Think about it. He just walked away 
from an unbelievable debt cancellation. I mean, 25 million. He should be coming out the most joy-filled, loving, forgiving person on planet Earth. But what happened, it affected his wallet, but not his heart. And he goes and he's reminded, well, I'm going to go. And he sees this person, you owe me $10. And he gets so upset with him, he begins to choke him. And he has him thrown in the prison because until he can pay back this debt. And why was that? It's because he still carried the bitterness of that past action that was happening to him. Think of it. It was $10 debt. It was like, this guy, like, he, he, uh, he did something that was worth 10 bucks against him. And so he had this wound. And he still had this hook in his life. And this hook was still there, even when he went before his master. You see, you can go and ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. And someone can forgive you all the while you haven't forgiven that person. All the while, you still carry around the bitterness of that simple thing that's been done to you. So he walked away free. That man was free, walked away, and yet he still remembered that person who did this to him because he hadn't forgiven him, and this boil was festering. And when he would bump into people, he would be reminded of this thing. $10, just this small wrong in his life was keeping him from being free himself. And bitterness began to set in. That's why Ephesians 4.31 reminds us, get rid of all bitterness, anger, malice, wrath. You see, bitterness has a way of slowly killing us all the while we are hoping it is killing someone else. (laughs) Isn't that what happens with bitterness? It's like, we think, oh boy, I just, I'm not going to talk to them. They're going to know when I'm in their presence. I'm just going to shut them down and I'm going I'm to post this about them and they'll know I'll tell other people this is how I think about them. And somehow we think that bitterness is killing that person. Somehow we think that lack of forgiveness to that person who's wronged us when we were 20 years old, when we were 30 years old, when we were 10 years, we think, boy, if this bitterness just feels good to be bitter toward, we think that somehow it's killing them and when reality, it's killing us. This festering gangrene in our lives begins to fester. And so we walk around. I'm a Christ follower. Oh, I love Jesus. Let's sing angels we have heard on high. All the while we got these hooks layered all over our bodies and our arms of, with people that we haven't forgiven. Bitterness, John Ortberg said, is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. Another person said this about bitterness. There is no such thing as a bitter person who keeps the bitterness to himself. I long to see people set free. I long for you to walk out of here today hook free. I long for you to release these people so that you can walk in freedom. I want to demonstrate that for a second. I have four people who are going to help me just work your way up here on stage and I want to show you what I mean by that. All of us have been wronged in our lives. All of us have had things done to us. All of us have a choice to make regarding these things. You can grab, stand in front of each one of these containers here, guys, and go ahead, and gals, and pull out that string. Watch the hook on there. You don't get stuck. And let the string drop and hold on to the hook. All of us have been wronged. All of us have had people who have hooked us, who have 
wronged us, who, who have walked into our lives and have done something to us. And so we have a choice to make with these hooks. We can, we can continue to let them cling to us or we can set ourselves free. Go ahead and hook up, hook up to the plastic there. Put your hook right in the plastic loop. Go ahead and hook yours up and grab a hold of the end of your yellow string. So the picture is this. I have been wounded by these individuals, especially this dude here on the end. (laughs) I have been hurt by people in my past. They have wronged me. They have hooked me. And so I have a choice to make. I can continue to walk through life. You guys can move with me as I move. You walk with me. I can continue to drag these dudes with me, gals with me, the rest of my life. And so I am bound to them. I am in prison to them. I can choose to to release them or no, I'm not. I want them to know that, that I'm going to get them back. I can remain bitter. If I remain bitter... I'm thinking that it's killing them. It has no effect on them. I'm going to walk over here and grab this jacket. I can even walk with me. Josh, he doesn't want to let me go. (laughs) I think you get that honest, buddy. (laughs) We can even get dressed in the morning. And we can try to cover it up. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I'm, I'm okay. I don't have any hooks in my life. Like, I'm doing good. Hey, let's, let's, let's go have a Bible study together. In fact, hey, I'll pray, okay? All the while, underneath, we have all these hooks, all these reminders that we want to get them. And the Bible says this. It says that we have a choice to make. We can set them free if we want to. We can release them if we want to. We can forgive them if we want to. And if we do, we are set free. Thanks, guys. You can set those down. The picture is this. You and I have been wronged. The picture is this. We have these hooks in our lives. And you know what? They hurt. They do damage. But we have a choice to make. Will I remain bound and imprisoned to these people who have done these wrong things? Or will I, like the lady at the beginning of this message, who set herself free and said, the forgiveness was for me? You see, if you don't, you will walk around the rest of your life struggling with this issue. And when someone bumps, oh, you're reminded of that thing. You can walk into a room and, and you could hear music. Oh, it reminded you of that. You can have a smell. You can, be, you can see something. And unless you deal with it, you will always remain in bondage to those people. And so Jesus is saying, set them free. Forgive them. Forgiveness. Listen, if you don't hear me, it's for us. It doesn't matter what happens right now to them. Let me say something else often what is forgotten when it comes to sin. When someone sins against us, it's not just against us, it's against God too. 
And so we think that somehow, if, if I don't deal with this, then somehow they won't get what's just. Listen to it. When you release them, you hand them over to a loving, righteous, vengeful God. And if they remain unrepentant, justice will come to them. Justice is not our responsibility when it comes to our faults done against us. God takes care of it. Forgiveness is for you. It's the greatest act you can do for yourselves. It sets you free. But here's what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness does not approve of the sin done against you. So I'm not saying today that horrible thing that happened to you, that horrible thing that happened when you were 13, when you were 15, when you were six, that horrible thing that happened to you when you were seven or 40, that horrible thing when your husband walked away, when your wife walked away. Listen to me, I'm not saying that forgiveness approves of sin. Forgiveness just forgives and sets you free. Forgiveness does not mean you forget it either. What do you mean by that, Pastor Jim? You mean, I don't have to forget? Let me tell you something. Wisdom should surface. If someone has done something to you, if someone has wronged you, wisdom says, I'm not going to forget what was done against me. I'm not going to put my child back in that room again with that person. I'm not going to have a business deal again with that person. I'm not going to allow that be in that person's path. Wisdom says, no, I'm not going to forget, but I won't hold the record against them. But wisdom says, hey, I got to walk through this life. The Bible says that Jesus, our God, chooses not to remember our sins. It doesn't say that he forgets. Now, do you think God wakes up one day and and something happens to us? Well, dude, I forgot all about that. No, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. But he doesn't hold the record against us. Forgiveness does not enable sin and say, it's okay, I'll keep forgiving you. Like, I know, it's like you're 24 times. Oh, give me a hug, come on now. I got like 7 million more. Just keep coming back and stealing from me. Oh, just keep coming back. Oh, just keep coming back and hitting me. Oh, just keep coming back. Oh, I love you. (laughs) No. Forgiveness does not wait until that person says they're sorry either. Hear me, you might go the rest of your life. They might bury you and you might not ever hear from that person who has wronged you the words, I am sorry. I am sorry has nothing to do with forgiveness. Nothing. But you say, but Pastor Jim, I'll forgive them when I know they're repentant. Pastor Jim, I'll forgive them when they say I'm sorry. Pastor Jim, you don't know how much this hurts, but I'll feel a lot better when I hear the words I am sorry. Listen to me, you don't need to hear those words. You forgive, hand them over to to God because they've sinned against God, God will take care of them. Forgiveness does not mean you will never feel the pain of that offense again in your life. Listen, we're human beings. I got scars all over me. I've been scarred by people and I've scarred people. I'm a human being. You've done the same. And there are reminders from time to time. I'll be sitting in a room or I'll be, I'll be listening to music or I'll see somebody. And all of a sudden, all these emotions, it's like, can I just stop these emotions, God? No, you can't. But here's what I do know. Time and space and mercy and grace of God helps us to overcome when we encounter that person again.
you will always be scarred in your life. Forgiveness does not mean that reconciliation will take place. Now listen to me. This is important. It takes one person to forgive and one person to repent. So you could have two people. One forgives, one repents. That's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is both repent, both forgive. So you could have a situation where reconciliation will never take place because you were willing to forgive, but they weren't. Listen, you're only responsible for you. Forgiveness does not overlook crime or injustices. There are consequences to our sin. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And by the way, listen to me. Our God will repay. Back to the story. Look look what happens in this incident. Verse 31. Verse 30 says, But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, this $10 debt. And then verse 31, it says, When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went in and told their master everything that had happened. This little pause here and say this. Your sins will find you out. They were upset. Hey, you know the dude that you canceled the debt of $25 million? I saw him out in the courtyard. He saw another dude, and I saw him choking him. Then I heard him say, you owe me $10. And this king got so upset that he grabbed a hold of him. And it says in verse, look at verse 32. It says, then the master called the servant in. You, what kind of servant? What's he calling? Wicked servant. I've canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be what? Until he should pay back all he owed. So you have to ask this question. How do you know if you've truly forgiven someone? How do you know that you're still not holding a grudge? How do you know that you're still are hooked by this pain of them? How do you know that you haven't released them of this thing? How do you know? How do you really know? How is it possible for you to know? Well, I think there's a lot of ways. Here are a few. When you avoid that person purposely, it's like you can't even be in their presence. It's like, and you want them to know I hate you. And so you go out of your way. You just go out of your way. You unfriend them on Facebook. You, you do a variety of things to keep them away. And sometimes wisdom says to do this. And I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about this time. You don't want, you don't even want, you want them to know that you don't like them, that you don't, that you don't want to speak to them. That, and so you, you, you avoid that person. How do you know when you're holding a grudge or still have bitterness? When you wish the worst for them. It's like you secretly wish, like, oh, I hope someone shows them. And you, you, you secretly praise all alone by yourself when their business fails. You secretly sit back and, and you watch, watch them fail in the, the marketplace. You secretly rejoice when there's a divorce in their family. You secretly rejoice when their kids fail. You secretly rejoice. You, you find yourselves wishing the worst from them. That's when you know you still hold a grudge. Or when you enjoy pointing out their faults to others. Well, if I was leading, I'd do it this way. And if I was doing that, I'd do it that way. You lob a comment on Facebook and then you leave the conversation. You throw darts from distances. And then how else do you know? When you get angry, when others praise them. Have you ever had that? It's like, well, they shouldn't be praising them. They don't know what they did to me. And so when others praise them, you find yourself just angry. I can't believe they got that award. 
I cannot believe that their family's doing that well. And now they're like family of the year, farmer of the year. I, do they know what that farmer did to me? And you, you, you find yourselves angry when others praise them. You see, when you forgive, you will be set free or you'll be remained tortured the rest of your life. I mean, that's what it says. I, that's not Jim Brown. This is Jesus. If we don't forgive, guess what? You're going to be tortured the rest of your life. Wait a minute. God tortures? You are going to be tormented and tortured. The rest. And some of you are being tormented and tortured, and you don't know why this stuff is happening to you. You haven't asked the question, are there people in my life that I haven't forgiven? Look at it. I, I'm not making this up. Look again. Look at verse 34. In his anger, the master handed him to the jailers to be what? Tortured. Verse 34. Until he should pay back all he owed. And then it says this in verse 35. Jesus said, this is how my heavenly what? Will treat each of who? Unless you what? Your brother or sister from your what? So listen to me, Grace. If we choose not to forgive... God's going to treat us the same way that this man was treated, tortured and tormented the rest of his life. Okay, what's it mean to be tormented by God? What's it mean to be tortured the rest of our lives? The hidden tormentors of anger and bitterness that eat your insides out. The tormentors and torture of frustration and malice that give you ulcers and high blood pressure and migraine headaches and lower back pain. Those things that continue to just tear you up emotionally because you haven't released and you're wondering, why do I have these ulcers? Why do I feel all this stress? Why do I have these migraines? Why do I have this and that? It's because you haven't removed the hook and it's festering. It's tormenting you. It's the tormentors that make you lie awake at night on your bed stewing over every rotten thing that happens to you. It's the tormentors of an unforgiving heart who stalk your trail day and night, who never leave your side, who suck the living joy out of your life. The tormentors of relationship that keep you from ever having a deep, loving, honest, authentic relationship with someone else because when someone else gets closer, they push that hook of other people deeper into your flesh and you feel the effects and so you keep people away. And so we have these people that just, here, it's, this is all the closer you're going to get to me. It's because they haven't forgiven. The closer you get, they're reminded of this wound. They're reminded of this hook. And Jesus said, you need to forgive. In fact, he says this in Romans. Turn to Romans chapter 12. Just quickly look at Romans chapter 12 through Paul. Romans chapter 12. Please turn there and just look what he says regarding this. Romans 12 verse 17 says this. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, chapter 12. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Listen to me. Forgiveness doesn't mean partnership. It means peace. That's what that says. It means you'll have peace. It's not partnership with that person. It's peace. And then it's taking this wrong that was done to you and handing it off to God and saying, God, 
They sinned against you. Now do what you're good at. If they remain unrepentant, justice, vengeance. If they repent, I'll know you forgive them. But it takes the wrong that was done to us and it hands it off to a loving, gracious, righteous, vengeful God and he knows exactly what to do with them. It's not our responsibility to, to get justice for wrongs that have been done to us. You see, your forgiveness does not ultimately mean they are forgiven because they have sinned against you and God. And now that you have forgiven them, they are turned over to our God. Oh boy, if they choose not to remain repentant, God's vengeance will step in. So what's it mean to us today? Here's what it means. If we're really honest, there's probably many in this room in the link that are holding on. And the Spirit of God is reminding you right now, maybe it's this husband that did this, or maybe it's this pastor, maybe it's this wife, maybe it's this child, maybe, maybe it's a childhood teacher, maybe it's that lady and moms in prayer, maybe it's that boss or assembly line worker, maybe it's that classmate that you go to school with, maybe it's that prof, and you have a choice to make. Forgive them or remain bottled up with bitterness and grudge and a festering gangrene boil in your life. The greatest act that you could give yourself, the greatest gift that you could give yourself this year and this Christmas could be forgiveness. Learn to forgive. We're going to give you a chance to do that. In the main and the link, the front of the stage are boxes. And on these boxes are a tag that says the gift of forgiveness. Maybe this Christmas, the greatest present you could receive is the gift of forgiveness to someone else. Because here's what happens. You set yourself free. So as our bands come, I'm gonna ask you to stand quietly and we're gonna hear a song and you can join in if you want to. But during that time, if you want to remove some hooks like many did in the first service, at the edge of our stage are pens and there's paper. It's a chance for you to write that event. It's a chance for you to write that person. It's a chance for you to let them go and let yourself off the hook and drop that in the box that says the gift of forgiveness. Dear Jesus, I pray that in this moment that people would be brutally honest and that they would no longer hold this bitterness and this grudge. I pray that freedom would surface in this room. Christ, you came to set us free and freedom is a result of being set free. So I pray in the link, in the main, Jesus, that people would be set free today. And that this Christmas, they could walk into gatherings, they could walk into workplaces, they could see business associates, they could see school teachers and coaches, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters, aunts and uncles, and they would be free. They wouldn't have to hide, and they could be all that you wanted them to be, Christ. So I just extend the invitation to you. During this song, just quietly walk up, Let yourself off the hook. In Jesus' name, amen.